Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Out to Be podcast. It's your host, Katie Zaccardi, and on today's episode, for the final episode of our Future of the Music Industry series, I have a very special guest with me. Isabella Bedoya is here. She's been on the podcast before. I call her my biz bestie because we talk shop and talk shit. Just kidding. (laughs) Or or am I? Um, Behind the scenes about all things music industry and being a music industry coach. And she's amazing. And today she's going to talk about some things that I don't know a lot about, but she does. Like Web3 and NFTs. So before we dive in, Isabella... Introduce yourself for those who are new here or forgot who you are, which I don't know how they possibly could, but tell us, who are you? <laughs> hey, everyone. Hey, Katie. Thanks again for uh, for having me on here. So my name is Isabella Bedoya. Most of you guys probably call me Izzy, and I'm the founder of Fame Hackers, so I help artists monetize their, um, grow and monetize their, their music careers. So today, we're going to talk about some things that I know you like to geek out on, which is Web3 and NFTs. And if you're listening to this podcast and you've spent, like, any time on social media, especially TikTok or, like, Red News, (laughs) Red the News, you've probably heard this mentioned at least once or twice. And it's also possible that you kind of ignored it and you were just kind of like, eh, too much going on right now. Like, I'm not putting my focus here, which is fair enough. But I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't just present this to you and bring this to you since we're talking about the future of the music industry anyway. And this is definitely one big up and coming thing. So like I said, this is not my area of expertise, but Isabella has been studying it and knows a lot about it. And so I want to start with just giving a brief overview of Web3. Can you explain to us what is Web2 versus Web3? What is Web3 specifically and why is it important to us? What do we need to know about it? Yeah, absolutely. This is actually such an important and like, not not just important, but like exciting topic because what we're living right now is like, I don't know if you guys remember, we were probably too young for this, but when the World Wide Web was first created, right? The internet was created. And then now as we're getting older and we're like, oh, we missed, we missed like the dot-com boom and stuff like that. So it's really cool because right now we're actually witnessing and we're starting to actually experience and potentially have another transfer of wealth. So if we actually you know educate ourselves in this subject and we get to learn a little bit about it and participate in it, we could actually make this time very, very uh, uh, like super, super, how do you say like profitable? Yeah, there we go. Super profitable. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you speak a different language. How do you say? Uh... <laughs> It's the end of the year, guys. Oh, like in French, you're like, how, how does one say the word profitable? There we go. <laughs> no, but for sure. Like, it's the most important word ever. <laughs> um, but so Web 2, if we kind of like take it back, right? Web 2 is what we're living in right now. Um, Web 2 means that there's big tech, people control our information. There's really like no privacy. And when we compare it to like Web 3, it's more like decentralized. So that's where like blockchain comes in, crypto comes in. And our information is is now private because there's, even though there's like a, a public ledger where all of your information is tracked and stored, it's still anonymous. So only you know, when you do like transactions on the web three, it tracks you via like your wallet or whatever the numbers are, like the privacy keys. So there's really no way for people to actually know and like say like, oh, this is, you know, Katie's doing this transaction. Whereas in web two, Facebook knows our every move, right? Instagram knows our every move. You just have to say a brand. Next thing you know, you get an ad. 
So I think that's a really cool thing because we've already talked about it and we probably already feel a little bit, you know, like tracked and we know that Big Brother's watching, right? Um, <laughs> also, we like things like not just ads, but also how our data is stored in Web2. We get mails, like I have a paper sitting on my desk right now that um, T-Mobile got hacked from like, I don't know, like I guess like earlier this year mm. and our information got leaked. So it's like... Yeah. You know, um, and I haven't had T-Mobile in years, but even then they still have my information. So it's it's not safe. The other thing too about Web 2 versus Web 3 is that there's a top-down hierarchy in Web 2. I'll explain what that means. Pretty much in Web 2, as I mentioned, right, there's like the tech giants. So there's always going to be that one person that controls your information. Whereas in Web 3, it's decentralized. So everybody has a piece of the pie, right? Does that kind of make sense? Am I losing you? You're losing me a little bit. So first, I just want to go back a second. So Web 2 is basically just like the internet age that we have been living in, like even thinking maybe like before 2021 or 2020, from 2013, let's say to 2019, this is what we've been living in. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. We know that data leaks and data hacks and stuff like that happens, but we've kind of signed up for it and it like it is what it is that's just what we've been doing so yeah. web 3 you're saying is is becoming safer to operate but it sounds like it's more privatized but then also more open so can you kind of explain how that works yeah and, and there's still risks right because even on web 3 there's still hackers so you still have to be careful um when it comes down to it if if you think about it like web 2 is more of I guess the best way to explain it, kind of what, what I was saying, right? Where in web two, you have, let's say that I go out and I post a comment on your Facebook, right? And on this comment, I'm like, oh, I'm going to a party night. Everybody knows that. Everybody can tie it to me. Facebook knows that. And now Insta uh, advertisers are going to now pay Facebook for access to that data. Yeah. Right? So then I'm gonna get hit by all these nightlife, maybe even like drinking culture. I'm gonna get hit by all these people because I said I was doing this activity. Yeah. Whereas in web three, it's more private. So it's anonymous, right? So there is no, the only people like, it's pretty much taking away power of big tech and putting in the, in the people and the power of the people. To sell our information, right? Basically to advertise. Not necessarily to like sell our information. I mean, there are projects where you can do that, but it's more, it kind of goes into like the ownership of data, right? Okay. So for example, when we're talking about like web three in, in this scenario, right? In the advertiser scenario, whatever, where I'm talking about, I'm going out to a party in web three, let's say that it gets a little tricky because in web three, let's say that then I'm telling you like, let's go to a party. No one's going to know is Valdenoya said that, right? They're going to have a wallet that, you know, like a, like a, a series of numbers and letters that say, this activity was done by this person. So it goes more, more into like the ownership because as we will transition into like NFTs, when you are tracking that, it's it's all about like the ownership of things. And what I was saying was like in web three, there's this whole thing of like decentralization. So where in web two, there's only one person that can win and it's usually gonna be like the people at the top. Mm. And web three, we're giving power to the people because even if we're not talking about advertising, everything is spread amongst the the web of people it's a peer-to-peer -peer communication system okay how and where like are we gonna see new platforms i have a lot of questions my first question basically is like 
is this already happening or is this going to happen? And, you know, I think we've seen it happen with Facebook a little bit where like people kind of stopped running ads or scaled back on ads because they got tighter with the information that was available and they, they, you know, put more privacy in and stuff like that. So like, is it already happening on like very low key levels or, or is it just something that is going to start to happen? Like to what level and how quickly is this going to become our reality first off? Yeah, really quick, really, really quick. Um, it's been happening. It's been happening because Web3 is built on the blockchain, right? It's, it's Ethereum, Bitcoin, whatever it is. Uh, most transactions are happening on Ethereum anyway. So Web3 has already been here. There's a lot of people, a lot of like really big thought leaders in the space that they've been doing talks on this since like 2018 and even earlier. I think the first NFT came out in 2017. Because I was going to say, like, blockchain people have been talking about for a while, but then it kind of didn't really go anywhere. Like, it was, like, a really slow burn. So do you think this is going to pick up traction and happen quickly, or is it going to be another slow burn? Well, it depends, right? Because I really do believe that it's going to be a fast transition, and either we were aware of it and we missed it, or we were aware and we were proactive. Mm. Um, If we look at, like, just cryptocurrency as a whole, so when I first came across cryptocurrency, it was around 2013. That's when my younger brother told us all about it. And we all picked up some crypto. And then I saw it again in 2017. And now we hear it about it all the time. Mm. Bitcoin back then, had I known that Bitcoin was going to blow up, I would have probably invested a lot more. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't know. And I think from, what, 2013 to now, you could call it a slow, a slower burn. I know that there's, I think that there's like um, a lot of hypes that happen, right? When it starts blowing up to like 18K, then it gets stuck there for three years. Yeah. Blows up to 40K, gets stuck there for a while. Yeah. But now it's becoming, it was all about getting mass adoption, right? Now El Salvador is there. They're pretty much um, accepting Bitcoin as a form of currency. They're creating, I think it's called Bitcoin Beach or someone was just telling me about this um, Bitcoin city or B- Bitcoin beach where now Bitcoin or cryptocurrency gives third world countries the unfair advantage to have a fair playing field to be like, you know, to actually rise from being a third world country. So I think as we transition, we also see bigger trends, right? We see brands now transitioning, like big corporations transitioning into this space. Um, the one that really caught my attention was Budweiser. They, they bought the domain beard.eth. So that, and which means like dot Ethereum, right? Yeah. Not .com which means that they're already making the transition into Web3. Facebook, um, I, I recently heard an interview by where Gary Vee was interviewing Mark Zuckerberg. They've been investing like so much money into research for the metaverse for the past like eight or nine years. And we had no idea about the metaverse, right? We had no idea about NFTs. So I think now that it's gaining popularity, I think it's only going to continue to be like this really, really, uh, fast snowball effect. Okay. So, and, and I'm gonna, like, I might challenge you here, yeah. or you might be like, this is the most basic shit ever. Yeah, bring it on. Because I really want to go, like, as if you were talking to a dummy. Because I am a dummy, and there might be some listeners as well who are like, I still don't know what words you're saying and why they're forming a sentence. Like, it's not, like, clicking. So, my biggest question is, like, where? And so, for instance, you mentioned Budweiser. Um, ETH or I don't know what do you call it ETH whatever so are there going to be new platforms that evolve where this all takes place and it's basically just like another website 
is it like a different type of website like the dark web or something like that like how does this actually like technologically happen yeah so this is such a good question um I know it's a lot to grasp it's it's really difficult to understand and trust me I know I, I spent a lot of time trying to understand this as well um so as we're moving into like decentralization there are now going to be called decentralized apps or applications and they call it dApps right Okay. So you can access those things. It's that's web three. And the best way to do that is if you have trust wallet or MetaMask on your phone, also download a VPN, right? When you're doing any of these activities, download a VPN, you want to keep your IP secure and um, <clears throat> you can access all of these things from your MetaMask, right? You can access all these different things from uh, your trust wallet, which are that you can download. It's just an app you download on your phone. Um, it's absolutely free. Just okay. make sure that when you are doing the setup, make sure that you keep, they're going to give you a series of words or, or a, a, it's pretty, pretty much like your cryptography. So they're either going to give you a series of words or like a password. You must store that preferably offline somewhere safe where you don't lose it. Cause once you lose that, you lose access to your wallet. Mm. So if you actually start buying coins and start, you know, trading the, the cryptocurrency, then you can actually lose your money. If you lose access to your wallet, cause remember it's anonymous right? No one right. knows it's you. The only way you have access to it is through your password. Okay. So is it sort of like, it's going to be like apps and websites essentially that allow us to navigate through these different things? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly right. And it's uh, like, you can't right now, if you go through like your Chrome browser, you're on web too, right? Because they can track you. There's cookies and all that. But if you go through your MetaMask, it's now encrypted. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about the decentralization part of it and how that's going to impact us? Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Because <laughs> it's, it's really giving power back to the people. There's no, there's not going to be this like big, big tech company in charge or anything like that, right? It's going to be um, there's a graphic online. If you actually type this in, you put in top-down organization hierarchy versus DAOs, um, decentralized autonomous organizations, but just type DAO, DAOS, <clears throat> you'll see actually the graphic. There's one that's like this pyramid, which is where we are right now, the CEOs, all the way down to the most uh, low-level employee. Mm -hmm. And then the DAOs, which is literally just like a web of people. And there's the stakeholders and the miners who are like the, the people mining the, there's actually, um, I know it's going to get like crazy talk right now, but, <laughs> but you can mine Bitcoin and you can mine Ethereum, not like physically, but you can have things set up online, like uh, not bots, but there are, this was like back in the day. I don't even know the, the whole thing behind it, but I remember you could buy something like a CPU to have to mine Bitcoin mm -hmm. and it would take a lot of power and electricity and all that to do that if you do it in your home. So obviously you yeah. just want to buy your Bitcoin. You don't want to go and mine it. I was actually going to say that too. Like I know that with Bitcoin um, or I guess just cryptocurrency in general, there's a lot of conversations about how some of it is really not sustainable. Like it takes a lot of resources to, to mine it, I guess. I don't know. Don't quote me on this. <laughs> I don't know the right terminology. Um, is that also the case with web three um, or not so much? Yeah, when it comes to, um, well, Web3 is a part of, of, like, Web3 is, like, pretty much the, um, 
Like the overarching. Yeah, like thing. like the, the landscape. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like Bitcoin, Ethereum, all of that is part of it. So it really boils down to like it's blockchain technology, right? And over the years, they've done a lot to transition into more like green friendly and like more climate friendly uh, practices where there was a study done recently. Um, and actually this was this, if you guys, you know, follow Death Beach on Instagram, he, he presents all this information about NFTs. But one of the things that he actually shared with me was that I think the, they compared it to a laundry machine to your household laundry, like washer and dryer. And if you were to have, I think the amount of money it takes to, the amount of energy that it takes to uh, mine one Bitcoin, it was like 70% less than, or 60% less or something like that, than your washer and dryer in the course of a year. So they've done a lot of improvements where like your household appliances actually consume way more electricity than cryptocurrency does. Gotcha, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 Okay, so getting back to the decentralization, how exactly is that going to work? Like, I think we all can visualize the sort of like top down CEO to the lowest level employee thing. But what does Web3 even have to do with that? And how does it actually decentralize things? Because it's like private. Okay, so if we think about, let me see, I don't have anything handy. Okay, here we go. Well, we're on a podcast, so we technically can't see what you're about to write down anyway. <laughs> I'm going to give you, show you a visual, right? So everyone that's listening, pretend that you, that I'm holding a piece of paper, right? And I'm going to break it in half, right? I'm going to break it in half again. So now I'm going to have four pieces and then I'm going to break it in half. So I'm going to have whatever that is, right? So I have all these papers down. <laughs> We're not doing math here. This isn't about math, you guys. All right, get over it. <laughs> Maybe eight pieces. Okay, so look, so this is how like the internet works, right? So web two yeah i think for this you definitely need visuals so um web 2 let's say that every time you do an activity you have your activity and then you have like your cookie right and the cookie generally goes to the owner of that website or whatever the server whatever it is okay when it comes to like web 3 right you do your activity so we'll put this paper here and then what we'll do is we'll because it's it's uh cryptography right it's encrypted what we'll do is we'll put like a little bit for Katie, a little bit for me, a little bit for like, like Sally, John, and da, da, da. So everybody that's like part of that network essentially gets a little tiny fragment of that data. It's peer to peer technology, right? So when, when the network is operating, the network can build that, whatever that piece of information was, it's decentralized. So not one person is sole owner of that piece of paper. Does that make sense? Uh, <laughs> okay. Can you give an example of what the action is? Like, would the action be like literally posting on Instagram or would it be like posting on or like walking into the bar in the metaverse? Like does Instagram, like, is there crossover between the platforms of web two and web three or are they completely separate? Like if you're posting on Instagram and Facebook, like you're in web two, it's not protected. Best of luck to you. But if you're in the web three platforms, that's where it matters. So in Web3, there, the world, the, the word that I got to know a lot in this space was interoperable. So once you're in the MetaMask Green Trust Wallet, it like, it's not like you have to log into Facebook, you have to log into Instagram or any of these things. Once you log into like your MetaMask or whatever, you have access to your things. So it's there. Okay. So yeah. it's sort of, it's like, is it like going into like incognito mode 
like for instance yeah where it's like you go into this mode or like you you log into your protection shield and then you operate everything but you're operating it all and you're doing it all like under the shield or like within the universe of protection basically yeah basically sure (laughs) you're like if that's what you have to we'll go with that (laughs) well now i'm just thinking of like an invisible cloak (laughs) yeah yeah but for real that you put your invisible cloak on and you're like haha you don't know that i'm protected but i am (laughs) okay so you do that and then what i'm not quite understanding is like why me doing something goes to other people so like how does that work or or why does that matter no, so that's just like the that's just like the technology. So, like, are you asking me like why it goes like little fragments go everywhere? Yeah, little fragments go everywhere just to protect that no one has sole ownership of it. So they I mean, can't track it back to a specific person. They could track it through like the ledger, but not through like they can track that a transaction was done through a ledger, but they can't track. For example, you remember the the movie Silk Road? No. Or the documentary Silk Road. No. Okay, so. So maybe this might be the best example to explain this whole scenario. So Silk Road was this like thing that you went into the dark web and you bought like drugs or illegal things and you paid with Bitcoin because nobody could trace it back to the supplier. No one could trace it back to the person actually making the payment. Okay. Right. So all of that, the all of that is like peer-to-peer technology. So it's really like complicated into like how the little things work. Okay. Right? Every little step, but the fact I think that everybody just kind of needs to take away is that you protect the end user and you protect the supplier as well. Okay. Like you protect the consumer, you protect whoever's in that world. So your transactions might feel safer, but they're also risky because there's hackers. So you just have to be careful. Okay. In web three, there's hackers. In web three. <laughs> How do you protect yes. yourself from hackers? There's always going to be hackers. So how do you protect? That's a good question. Um, there's actual things that you can buy online on like Amazon. Um, they're called like crypto wallets. And again, you just have to make sure that you save them. And you actually, when you buy one, you save the key. There's some that you can put like biometric scans, like really crazy things, but just make sure that when you do buy one, store it in a safe place. Cause you lose that and you lose all your crypto. Okay. Um, yeah. So my biggest question is basically like, why does this matter or does it matter other than just understanding that like nfts and cryptocurrency and things like that are a part of web3 like is there any other like functionality or certain thing that we need to know about web3 and how it's going to apply to the future besides those two big things yeah so it's pretty much like the they also like dubbed it like the token economy there's like different components to it (laughs) let me know if i lose you on any of these but in the web three, you know how like in, in the real world, we do like a contract and we're like, hey, this is a binding contract. If anything happens, I can sue you, whatever the case is. And web three, this is done through a smart contract, but it's not necessarily, lawyers will argue that it's not legally binding. So it's literally just like a digital handshake. But that smart contract is the set of rules or the purpose of what will happen, let's say when I buy an NFT or when I buy Ethereum or whatever crypto. So that's what makes it kind of like this the rules so the rules will be followed based on the set of rules that were created when the when the token was created or like the ethereum or whatever was created so when you have something like that 
then the other thing to keep in mind is that when you are looking at like web three versus web two, people are actually incentivized economically to, to actually follow through with the purpose of whatever their coin is. Whereas in web two, everybody is like already, the way that we have to trust each other is through these legally binding contracts and web three, they're not legally binding. And the way that the technology was created is to believe that everyone is already corrupt. So the way to prevent people being corrupt is by having this like automatic set of rules going like, you know what I mean? Like it's going Can into you give place. an example? Um, when I buy Ethereum, which is a coin, for example, the smart contract states that I'm buying X amount of US dollars for X amount of Ethereum, right? Mm -hmm. So then it will give me the Ethereum. Mm -hmm. um, and then let's say that I want to, let's say that I am now in... I guess it, we would have to transition into NFTs to really make a, a clear explanation here. So if we okay. look at NFTs, right, we know that they're um, a lot of the times they have what the things that have become popular are the, the graphics, right? So when we are looking at the graphics, if you let's say that you're buying, it gets a little tricky here. So if I lose you on anything, Katie, just let me know. So when you're buying this graphic, right, you're not just buying like the JPEG, you're actually buying the ownership rights to that. So if you're a designer and you design this, this image and you mint it, which is like the process of getting your NFT listed on the, on the marketplace. Yeah. And as you're going through that whole thing, if you were to then say, for example, like you guys can buy it, but I'm going to give 10% royalties or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So if you were to buy it and it appreciates, I get 10% royalty because, you know, I would, I created and I uploaded and all that thing. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And let's actually use this as an opportunity to just roll right into NFTs in general and like what they are, because I think that this might help put it into more perspective and like understand what Web3 is. Because really, in my opinion, I feel like the big thing to understand is NFTs, not necessarily like the definition of Web3. Is that accurate to say? Yeah. Like, yeah. Web3 is basically just like where we're going in the internet and like NFTs is the big product or the big thing that you should consider doing and that's going to be relevant to artists in terms of making money as we head into the future, right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay, so with that, can you, you kind of already did, but can you define what an NFT is? Yeah, so NFT stands for non-fungible token um, and basically the easiest example I can give you is let's say you give me a dollar a dollar is fungible because if I give it back to you it's still worth a dollar in NFT world um, non-fungible means not replaceable so for example if you you go to like the Louvre in Paris and you look at the Mona Lisa the Mona Lisa original is worth like however amount of money it's worth but if you get a replica of it like a jpeg or you, you get a digital print to put on your wall mm -hmm. then you know it's not going to be as 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 worthy as the original right so that's pretty much what nft is so but it's in the, it's in the digital world so basically you're creating an original work of art that exists on the in the digital world on the blockchain and on the blockchain okay perfect web aka web3 yeah okay <laughs> perfect wonderful <laughs> okay um so it's not just like an instagram post because that's web 2 it's like it exists specifically in web 3 on the blockchain you've created it through this specific like website thing situation yeah because you have you can see who created who owns it 
right? And then if you sell it or transfer whatever, you can see ownership. Okay. So we're not going to talk about like how to create an NFT today because really the focus of this episode is just like the future of the music industry and what we want to be, what we want to watch out for, what we want to learn more about. So if this is interesting to you guys, let me know because we can definitely talk more about it on the podcast. But I really just want to dive into the importance for musicians and even music industry coaches. I'm curious if you think it's helpful for them as well. I feel like you explain NFTs really clearly, honestly, more clearly than I've heard anyone explain it. I also, um, I tend to think of it as like a digital work of art. Like you talked about like a graphic designer. So it's like, I am not a graphic designer, but let's say I just went into Canva and I like made a little thing or I used whatever tools I have to create something. And then I listed it as an NFT. That's very clear. It's like a digital Mona Lisa. It's a digital work of art. How as artists though, as musicians, what can we create? Is it limited to just that? Can it be actual music? Like what are some ideas and examples of what, what we can create as NFTs as artists? Yeah. I like literally anything, anything, anywhere from art. There's people have sold homes on as NFTs already, like real physical homes. Um, how does that, I don't understand how that makes sense. Because it's like in the, when you buy the NFT, let's say they're buying like the, so the way that this house in particular, the way that they sold it was they sold the, the NFT and on the um, smart contract, they basically said like, you get access to everything under this LLC. So when they bought that in, under the LLC was the house. So they had put the house under LLC ownership. And then because they bought the NFT, they bought the house. Damn. Okay. So you, it's not like you can sell a house just like point blank new way of selling a house but like because of the way they did it you they got access to the house so if they wanted to resell that house would they have to resell that as an nft basically um like if they wanted to resell that nft in particular like if they wanted to move out of that house That's a good question. You know what I mean? Like, like they couldn't just sell the house. They'd have to either sell the whole NFT or they just have to like remain having ownership of it and, but also buy a new house. That's a really good question. I don't know if they would have, cause I think that they can just, um, yeah, it's a really good question. I'm not going to sure on that. See, that's the stuff yeah. that I'm still skeptical about. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like, I'm curious to see how this all plays out and like, happens because <laughs> that's crazy that's super intricate like there's a lot going on there you know what I mean it's so crazy like um there's this viral video that Gary V you know how Gary V does these like little clips yeah so there was someone and this is like directly applicable to anyone that's doing any type of coaching right or any type of teaching um like one of these fitness guys went up to Gary Vee and he was like, Hey, I'm a fitness coach. How can I turn my fitness coaching into an NFT or whatever? Right. How can I, how can I use this? How does this apply? And Gary Vee turns around and he goes, here's what you do. Right. And he's like, Gary Vee, like, yeah, he's like, I've got it all figured out already. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Gary Vee is like, you know, basically what you're going to do is you're going to find an emerging artist, right. An emerging uh, graphic designer an emerging, um, they, they're called NFT designers or 3D NFT artists. You can find these on like Upwork, Upwork or anything, right? So you can Google this. And um, and so anyway, Gary Vee is saying like, so what you're gonna do is you're gonna find like an emerging artist and you're gonna get them to create a receipt. So when people 
you know, buyer coaching, you give them the receipt, the receipt as an NFT, right? So now when they're getting this receipt and let's say that this artist blows up and then he actually put like, and let's say you get a 10% royalty claim. If this artist blows up, then your receipt also just went up in value. So now your receipt became an asset. So now the client that came to you for coaching actually has a valuable asset that they can now resell and make money off of. Okay. And that's why it's also relevant is because part of what's, this is basically like creating a product. Like you would create merch, you're going to sell the merch, but instead of creating merch, that's physical, you're going to create a digital product that you sell. And what's also good about it is that people can resell it. So if you're someone who buys an NFT, let's say I buy an NFT from an artist, well, that might go up in value so I can resell it and make a profit from it. But also if you're an artist, you can make part of the deal that you get royalties on it. So um, just like when you write a song and it gets placed on a show or or even thinking about TV shows, like when, when people are on TV shows and that show gets replayed, they get a royalty check for it being replayed. So every time you re- someone resells your NFT and it goes up in value, you'll still you're still able to retain a cut of that money uh, because of the royalties. Does, do I have that right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's a really good stream of income for artists. Yeah, and it's especially right now because um, as we're transitioning in the and like even the creators economy, right? As we're transitioning from uh, monetize growing your audience and monetizing your audience and now we're transitioning into ownership ownership goes back to how I was talking around the beginning you know there's the top-down hierarchy which we're moving away from into everybody owns a piece of the pie so when you bring your audience into win with you it's even more lucrative because then you have a community that, a community that you're building that everyone's winning your audience or like your super fans or your cult-like fans right those are the people who are actually going to be the ones supporting you and and cheering you on and not just watching you win, but they win with you. So that's even more empowering. So can you give us a couple more examples of things that artists can create as NFTs? Or I should really say musicians because that helps distinguish it from like visual artists. Yeah, um, for artists, like use cases or case studies for artists. So it, like it really just boils down to the community that you build, right? Because when it, when you're releasing an NFT, it's the same thing as you were saying, it's the same thing as releasing merch. If you have no one to release it to, then no one's going to be there to, to get it. Okay. So when it comes down to like, you know, it, it could definitely be, um, it, it all depends on like what you're giving them. There's, uh, there's some examples that I saw. There was, no, I can't remember his name. There's an artist that's good. Oh, um, Blau, he went, he was like all over the place. He was all over the news because he sold, I think, 11 million on his first NFT. Who? Blau, 3LAU. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of money. Right? Is that how you say it, Blau? I thought it was. I have no idea. <laughs> okay, so the, he's an EDM. He's a, he's a EDM artist. And he dropped his NFT earlier in the year. He went on Clubhouse. Clubhouse did the auction. People were just going crazy. It was a lot of FOMO, a lot of um, urgency and all that raised $11 million on, on his drop. And the reason why this was done, it was not just because of the fans, but also because of the experience that you provide, right? Because a lot of the stuff that he was offering, if you get his NFT, it wasn't just like, get my song, but it was like, you know, get a custom song and get this and that. Um, there's a lot of different people. There's, um, 
Stevie Mackey, I think his name is. We were just talking, yeah, Stevie Mackey. We were just talking about him last week where he's also giving away like a set amount of NFTs, not giving them away, but like, you know, if you get, for example, a 30 minute Taco Tuesday with him or something like that, where you get to ride in his Bentley to go to Taco Bell, Wow. It, it adds up. It's like $500 and $500 all the way up to like $2,500 uh, worth of NFTs. And then basically you get access to certain experiences. So it also transitions into as artists, as musicians, even as coaches and online teachers, you know, it, it what really we need to start focusing in on is the experience and the community. Does okay. Yeah, it does make sense. I My question is, well, as, as per, per usual, I have many. First thing I want to ask is, if someone resells the NFT, um, like when you're, you're getting into physical perks. So if I buy an NFT and one of the things I get with it is like Taco Tuesday lunch date, if I resell that, does the person who buys it also get that? Or is that just for the original purchaser? This is nitty gritty stuff, but I'm just curious just to help us better understand like what we might create with NFTs and what it looks like. So that's a, that's a good one. So it depends, right there. It depends on like their terms and stuff like that. Um, in, I think it's called 4J, 4J.net. I think they also have their NFT and they actually, when you resell it, they actually show how many of the things have been claimed. So instead of buying it for full price, you see, oh, you know, I'm selling this NFT, but I've claimed 25% of the perks or whatever it was. Mm, so, so it's kind it of like ends. bundled into one thing. And then it's like, I'm done with this. Pass it on to the next person who can get these things. Pass it on to the next person who can get those things. But it, yeah, but it depends because also, let's say, for example, that for whatever reason, this one person can't do or only wants to take in, let's say, 10 people, right, for this particular NFT. So I, I guess it like dep- depends on a case by case and how the terms and everything is written because if they say only 10 people at once, that means that when they resell it to someone else, a new person comes in, it's still 10 people, right? Or if they're doing it yeah. based claimed by experience. So I, it really just depends on the terms. Okay, so I didn't realize that it could go this deep. I thought it was more of just like a one-to-one, much simpler transaction. So this is a lot more like nitty gritty than I thought it would ever be. Yeah, it gets pretty, pretty intense. <laughs> so if we're gonna just dumb it down to like the most basic things, what could this look like? Like maybe creating a, an original composition or offering to create an original composition and selling just like that singular thing as an NFT? Yeah, but of course, making sure that you have an audience to sell to, right? And, and not just that, but I think like me, particularly in my perspective, I would figure out what my audience wants right and then create it as an nft um but it can be anything it could even be a book okay interesting i'm I'm planning to um so the book that i'm planning to release i'm actually planning to release it as an nft so how would that work so yeah that's that's where it gets like super 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 complicated i'm still not 100 of all the logistics um but the best thing to do in this scenario right because there's always so much to learn and and it's not just like you and me learning, Katie. It's like the whole industry is learning. We're all, we're all learning together. So the best thing is I would figure out people who already have like their finger on the pulse, right? So earlier I mentioned like Death Beach. Um, there's a lot of different people and like thought leaders in the space. There's this other woman, her name is Lee Jin, like L-I-J-I-N, huge thought leader in the creator economy and how NFTs and, and all these different things work. Um, 
there's a lot of people out there. So I think it's just make sure that when you do find people that have access to all this information that you also check them out, see who they are, see what they um, experience that they have, because they can also lead you astray really, really fast. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to have you on because I trust you. We've said very clearly, like you, you're recently researching it and studying it, but like, there's not, I feel like a lot of NFT experts out there yet because it's still so new and everyone really is just learning. So we're just having a conversation like you're teaching me and the listeners get to listen to it and hopefully learn themselves. But it is true. And that's kind of something great about it is that like, if you get in on this, you're truly a pioneer because we're so, so early in on this technology and this type of offer. Am I right? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) pretty much. Yeah, if you want to trailblaze an industry, this would be a trailblazing industry. Yeah, okay, so we've kind of established a few core things. Like I said, we're not talking about how to create an NFT on this episode, but, you know, make sure you have an audience, ask your audience what types of products or things they would want from you, and then you can potentially create it as an NFT and sell it and make some money from it, which is awesome. So Izzy, tell us why we need to capitalize on this or pay attention to this as we head into 2022. Well, (laughs) I'm actually really, really excited about this topic because one of the main reasons or multiple reasons, but I think what makes me super excited about this is one, because finally the artists and not just like the graphic designers, but musicians, they finally have the power back, right? They can actually earn, I think the statistic was between four to 12% what they get, right? Four to 12% profit from their craft. Here you have access to like, you don't even need a label. We've been saying you don't need labels for a while. It's up to you, right? But you don't need it because if you have NFTs, you can not only monetize your audience, but you can also help your audience win with you, which is gonna be an even better experience for everyone altogether. We already know fans are the new A&Rs. So, this is one of the exciting parts, right? One of the exciting parts is that it's actually giving musicians their power back to actually be like super Uh self-sustainable. Second thing that I'm really, really excited about is that we are old enough to actually be conscious for the transfer of the generational wealth. Cause I do believe cryptocurrency is here to stay. Back in the dot-com boom, I was what, like 10 years old. You're like, what am I going to be doing? Yeah, so I'm just here being a consumer. But now we're actually aware, we're conscious. And not just that, but we also know how saturated the online space is. So it's not who does it first or who does it better or anything like that. It's just who does it differently. So if we actually pay attention to the trends and we're like, okay, well, people are paying for experiences. People are paying for... um, cryptocurrency people are actually wanting to empower creators and we get a chance to empower our audience to win with us it's such an exciting like i don't know how you're not excited but it's so exciting to be in this space right now (laughs) you know i think i have one really big question that has me a little skeptical and you mentioned transfer of wealth and having a little bit more equality and it's no longer top down which definitely gives me the impression that really What's great about this is that it makes it so much more accessible and easier for people to get wealthy. Is that accurate to say? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a real, like, this is a gold rush. We're experiencing a gold rush. So my question with that though, is right now, it seems just like 
it seems like a hobby for rich people to just play with their money. Like, oh, I am super wealthy already and I'm just gonna like throw money at this NFT. And so like my question is, am I being too judgmental here or is that what's kind of happening at least here at the start where we are? And second is like, how is this sustainable? And when do you see us getting to the point where it's just like normal people actually want to buy NFTs, can buy NFTs, trade NFTs? Like, like, how do we as not millionaire billionaires, like multimillionaires or billionaires, um, I'm assuming most of my listeners are not billionaires, though let me know if you are. <laughs> um, like, how do, like, how is this relevant for us? Obviously it's relevant because as creators we can make money, but like thinking of like the long term and the long game and stuff like that, I don't know, Do you, is it just, is it not just a f- game for rich people to play or no? I don't think so. Um, and here, here's my reasoning why. We know that cryptocurrency, the majority of the world hasn't even transitioned into cryptocurrency. I think it's only 3% of people in the world that has cri- cryptocurrency. Um, if you invest, let's say, you know, it's not financial advice for entertainment purposes only. Find <laughs> <laughs> the way for before we're listening further. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, but in all seriousness, right? So, it, let's say you're invest like five dollars, a hundred dollars a month or a week, right? Something that you can afford, because yes, it is very easy to think that this is a, a the rich man's game. But it's also a great way to reframe your mindset and say, hey, this is a great opportunity for me to actually have like a a chance to win. Become a rich man. (laughs) You know know that share quote that's like, my mom said to marry a rich man. And I said, mom, I am a rich man. Like, that's what we're going for here. Yes. (laughs) So like, for example, let's say you're putting in $5 a week, right? Bitcoin right now for the past few months it's had predictions that by the end of 2021 or start of um, 2022 it was going to hit 300k right now it's between 40 to 60k so if you put a hundred dollars a week right a month a year that's like five thousand no wait that's like five wait how much is that twelve hundred dollars why is that why is math so hard today if you put a hundred dollars a month yeah i I thought you said a hundred dollars a year i was like it's a hundred (laughs) dollars yeah No, if you put $100 a month, that's $1,200 a year. And imagine Bitcoin goes up to $300,000. Your money goes up with it. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely crazy. Um, There's cryptocurrency is not as highly regulated as the stock market is because they're still working out the legalities and stuff. So in the past few years, people have become extremely wealthy off of cryptocurrency. So it's really given the unfair like you know it's given people the unfair advantage to transition into that new bracket that makes sense so it's basically just thinking about using it as a tool for you to gain more money and for you to get in on this and be able to kind of like spread the wealth a little equalize it a little bit like take it take what it's deservedly yours invest in these new things and be able to grow from there yeah and you know in terms of like the long-term potential and sustainability um, or how sustainable we think this is going to be. I really do think so because if countries are already making big moves to make this a part of their currency, it's only a matter of time. Like back in 2017, I think it was Expedia that you now pay for flights on Expedia with cryptocurrency. So it's definitely here to stay. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, especially with crypto, like we've seen it 
becoming more and more relevant. And with the with NFTs too, like I said, a lot of people are starting to talk about it. And personally, I think it's not going to be like, oh, as soon as January hits, everyone's going to have an NFT. Like it's definitely going to be slower on the uptake, but it is something that if you get in sooner rather than later, you could really capitalize on the movement that's happening here. Yeah. And for NFTs, it's mainly like community driven. Whereas for cryptocurrency, like if you're trading crypto versus trading NFTs, it's still, you're still trading in like usually Ethereum or some kind of like Binance chain token. And when you're trading in those things, what's important to look at in cryptocurrency is to look at the creators, the visionary teams, the white paper, all that. In NFTs, what's important to look at is the communities. NFTs is more community driven. So if you're like looking for where to invest your, your money, don't just invest in every single coin, right? Invest okay. in places where you think it's going to actually have a return on investment. Yeah. All right. We've been going for a while here, so I want to wrap it up, but I have a couple more questions. <laughs> um, this might be a dumb question, but I, is the only way to pay for NFTs through cryptocurrency? Like to buy yeah, it? Yeah. So... Yeah, so you would have to, this is where you would hook up, like, for example, your MetaMask or your uh, Trust Wallet to mm -hmm. a marketplace like OpenSea or something. Okay. And then you have to buy USD. So you would have to buy, like, your your money, your American dollar. You would then have to turn it into Ethereum. So you buy Ethereum, and then your Ethereum you use to buy whatever you're trying to buy. Okay. So if I created one, I would get paid in Ethereum. And then I could yeah. keep it as Ethereum. And now I have this Ethereum instead of just buying Ethereum. I get paid in Ethereum. Right. Yeah. So you'd have your Ethereum. And then this is where you have to watch out because if you withdraw that to your bank account, that's where like the whole capital gains and all those taxes can kick in. Okay. Cause it's, cause it would be an investment of sorts. So yeah. So you, cause yeah, cause your money appreciates in value. But still, you'd be making a lot of money. So even if you have to pay taxes, if you happen to make it a shit ton of money, it could well be worth it to survive. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, can you pay for things? Like, you could pay for other things using Ethereum. Like, if other vendors take Ethereum, you could pay for those things using Ethereum and not have to deal with that tax. Is that right? Yeah, you can. And I don't have you to can. deal with the taxes. Yeah, you, you can definitely transfer Ethereum to Ethereum. You can pay for services. You can pay for things like that. Um... The only thing when you're dealing with cryptocurrency is that the, the cool thing is that it can actually appreciate in value. So if they pay you like one ETH right now, two years from now, that one ETH can be worth, if you get into a little bit of the economy, uh, oh, the US dollars, there's inflation, you know, so. Yeah. So it can be worth like thousands is what you're saying or hundreds or whatever more. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay, this has been amazing. The last question I want to ask you before we wrap up, because I know that there's probably a lot of people right now whose brains are on fire and they're like, I have to drop everything and make an NFT or I'm a failure. And I don't want that to be the takeaway from this episode. So what would you say to people who are listening right now who are like curious about this, but also are like, well, I want to build my audience and I want to release music and I want to launch my coaching business and I want to launch my Patreon and now I have to add NFTs to the list and I don't know like what order to do these things in or like what to go about with and like what's a priority and what's not. Deep breath and what do you have to say to them? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot to think about, but I think uh, the first thing is just pick one thing, right? Pick your lane and stop being so like spread out all over the place because there's definitely opportunities everywhere. And if you do choose the NFT route, make sure that you find, you know, a, a, someone that can actually guide you through the whole process because it's, it's the same like in anything. If you want to go ahead and, and build an NFT or you want to start a business or if you want to start a music career, whatever it is, it's always good to have that one person that knows exactly what you need to know. So you save a lot of time and energy. Yeah. So just find, find an expert, right? I already mentioned a few on, on this podcast earlier today. Um, but find, find someone that can actually guide you through the whole process. And I think just start with one. And I think as you're working to build that one up, I think the first thing everyone should be working on right now, and it goes to what you were saying a few days ago, I don't know if it was on a podcast or, um, on TikTok, but you were saying personal brands, Mm -hmm. start with your personal brands, start with your community, start with building your fan base. And then the, the right people will show up when it's needed. 100%. Yeah. So just focus on like building your audience. So you have some some people to actually sell this to. And then like once you're ready, and you feel like you're ready to create a product, then you could potentially uh, launch, if you will, (laughs) launch an NFT into the world and, and sell it to them and be able to get that out there. Awesome. Thank you, Isabella, for coming on today and explaining all of this to me and us. (laughs) So now we have a much better idea of what Web3 is, what NFTs are, and how it is relevant to us as we head into 2022 and the future of the music industry. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Katie. All right, everyone, be sure to follow me at Katie Zaccardi and Izzy at IsWord on Instagram and follow us on TikTok, too, because we're going to take over there. Um, And I will talk to you guys all next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Out To Be podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, rate and review it on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us spread the message and get this podcast out to even more women in music. For more information on coaching services, head to katiezacardi.com. See you next week.